0: According to Gallup, Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. In 2020, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque, down from 50% in 2018 and 70% in 1999. Christianity Today reports that in 2019, approximately 3,000 Protestant churches were started in the U.S. But 4,500 Protestant churches closed, according to estimates from Nashville-based LifeWay Research. Welcome to the Level Up Leader podcast. I'm your host, Michael King. I'm an executive coach and founder of Teams.Coach. I work with C-level leaders to clarify and expand the vision, elevate performance, and level up their leadership. For over two decades of my life, I've served in music and executive roles in one of America's fastest-growing churches. I've seen firsthand the life-changing experience that can happen in a healthy church when things are going great. I have also helped hundreds of churches over the years when things aren't. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Chris Songson. Chris is a best-selling author. He's a pastor, sought-after speaker, and the founder of Church Boom. He has spent decades of his life assisting and mentoring pastors and now has a new initiative that seems to be right on time. Please welcome Chris Songson to the podcast. Pastor Chris Songson, welcome to the Level Up Leader Podcast.
1: Awesome, yeah, cool to be with you, man. Always love hanging out with my the Michael King, which by the way has the best last name on the planet. It's a, <laughs> it's a branding last name right there. <laughs> it is a great last name, man. It just is like, man, I got and it. it sounds like you're sneezing. You got King. It sounds like authority. So yeah, no, it's awesome. It's cool to hang out. Well, with.
0: This is a this is a pretty big honor for me. Um, I haven't really opened up the podcast to a lot of a lot of pastoral connections or things like that, but. Um, but I, but I have it to two people and you being one of those, um, our story goes back. In fact, you were the first, so when I had to level up my leadership, I don't know if you know this or not, but you were speaking at a a minister's retreat in Nebraska and I heard you speak and I knew like, after I heard you speak, I knew that there was something more in me, but I just felt stuck. I didn't know necessarily how to take that to the next level. Um, so I just want to thank you publicly for your investment in my life. Uh, we, we got to work together as well. So yeah it's been a privilege yeah
1: absolutely so tell
0: us a little bit about what makes Chris Sonks and tick what's going on in your world and what are the things that you're a part of right now
1: yeah 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 uh well the, the most important thing I've been married for 31 years uh to a beautiful Hispanic woman I always say she doesn't speak English but that helps us get along you can't argue you can't talk to each other uh so, <laughs> it's my ongoing joke no nope, got two children uh and I have two grandkids I'm sure you've seen that on social media uh I got a two-year-old yep. and a Two, two week old. It's the best thing on the planet. It is God's gift for not killing your own kids. It's amazing and uh, love it. Um, I am the founding pastor of South Hills Church. I think we just launched our 12th site in uh, Virginia. Um, I am an author, written a bunch of books, and uh, I have a coaching organization called Church Boom. Uh, we basically coach pastors and rescue churches and um, yeah, it's where I spend a lot of my time, uh, coaching, speaking, writing.
0: I love it. Love it. Um, tell us a little bit more about, about church boom. How are things going with it?
1: Great. Uh, church Boom's doing really well. We, we, um, we really might, we have two things. One is I said, we coach pastors. So executive coaching for pastors. So pastors that feel like they're stuck, feel like their church is stuck. Um, they want to grow. There's sort of the executive coaching arm. Um and man, we partner with pastors, and I'd say the majority of the time they see growth. Uh the, the other side of it, we we always say we coach pastors and rescue churches. So the coach pastors is pretty self-explanatory. The rescue churches is the initiative that we started about a year and a half ago, and it's been amazing. Basically, um the, the short version is uh for eight straight years, in America shutting down more churches than it opens. And uh, in, in 2020 or 2019, right before the pandemic, America shut down 10,400 churches in one year. Uh, so we are losing mass amount of churches. 70% of churches are in decline. So our rescue initiative is this. Uh, we want to give free coaching for a year, free resources, and we give away grants, money to help churches. So some guy that calls us says, "Do we got 40 people left in our church in the middle of Alabama somewhere. We're like, all right, well, let us help you. We get that guy up to 80, 90, starts growing. Maybe he needs a grant for five grand to fix his leaky roof or whatever. Uh, and we just give it to him. And that church rescue initiative has, has become a heart for all of church boom. How, cause here's what we really always say is when, when I go and promote it at churches, cause we're always raising money from healthier churches. I always say this, Uh, I always say, if you want to rescue America, you got to start by rescuing the churches because the more we lose churches, the the darker America gets. And so that's been, that's, it has become, uh, I want to it's become a big heart of church boom, rescuing churches.
0: That's killer. What are you, are you seeing any commonalities as far as, you know, what is, what is the catalyst? What's the reason for church decline in America right now?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, there's been a lot of them church decline. It's just the difference is that the number has increased. So you have multiple problems. Um, one, you have a problem. We're rescuing in the present, but we're also talking about rescuing in the future. If you Google clergy's leaving ministry or clergy shortage, mm-hmm. you will get a ton of response. The, there is literally less and less and less people going into full-time ministry, which just do the math. Where does that leave you 10, 15, 20 years from now? So major problem of leadership shortage current problem like right now uh if i had to say if i walk into a church um and let's say we're trying to rescue that church or whatever we're coaching them they're part of our coaching groups it typically falls mike in one of three areas there's a problem in their staffing there's a problem in their structure or there's a problem in their strategy it's one of those three um somewhere there's one of those three one or all three of those problems there's a staffing issue Uh, They don't have the right staff around them. They don't have the right team around them. They got a toxic team, uh, which is something I'm big on. The new book is all about that. Uh, They've got structure issues. uh, Who's reporting to who, who's not reporting. It's being too board driven. They're concerned more with preference than purpose. And then the third one would be um, the strategies. There's just no clear strategy. How do you actually reach people and help them? So it normally falls in one of those three. Not every pastor wants to be helped. Yeah. For sure. Not every leader wants to be helped. Uh, so we say we don't work with those that need it. We work with those that want it. So
0: I love it. I love it. We we started, you know, the things that you mentioned with with staffing and, and strategies and structures, those things, those things those overlay into different areas as well. It's not like just a, a church specific issue, right? Right. And um Absolutely. we we developed this this platform along with one of our partners with Cloverleaf, in which we are actually able to give assessments to, to every single person on a, on a team feeds into a dashboard and actually lets you know, like how aligned is your team with your vision? You know, what seats should your team be sitting in? Um, We even have a hiring uh, uh, portal now to where people can actually hire by design um, based on those things. Um, I know that people can get in touch with you with it's churchboom.org is your website, right? Yep. So, if anybody who's listening who wants to support that, uh, get in, get involved. Um, and Chris, I just want to let you know too, uh, just as a gift from us, if there's any churches that you feel like would benefit from any assessments, uh, we will go ahead and donate those for free as well. Oh
1: man, we'd love that. I'd love to talk to you more about that offline. That's for sure. That'd be yeah, cool. absolutely.
0: I'll show it to you. I think you'll I think you'll be, you'll geek out with me. Um, yeah, that's great. I it's love. Pretty that. fun. That's great. So as a leader uh, with the Level Level Up Leader podcast, every great leader gets to a place to where they recognize at some point in their life to where they have to take personal responsibility and they have an aha moment and they say, I got to level up. What was that moment for you?
1: You know, uh, <laughs> I would say probably the biggest moment was we're going back. Wow, uh, I'm 29 years old. I'm about to launch a church. I've never launched one before, years ago. Um, and you know, at that point years ago, CD was the big way you listen to music. But you, know then you go even farther back, cassettes were dead, but I had a cassette player still because uh, I drove an old car. still drive an old car. Uh, but um, a lady comes up to me before we launched the church, and she hands me a box with probably 150 audio cassettes of uh Maxwell is in there Zig Ziglar's in there Jim Jim Rohn is in there uh uh all of these guys uh, are in there um and she just gave me said hey I thought you might want these I popped one in and I loved it and I popped another one in and I loved it and we're a couple months away from launching a church and the more I listened to these to these audios the more I was like there's, I don't know anything. I'm about to launch a church and I don't have a clue. Like constant stuff about how to raise up leaders or how to deal with team or how to deal with conflict or how to put people in the right place. All of that stuff. Like I didn't have a clue. And so I just gobbled up these cassettes. Literally, they were old. And like nobody was listening to cassettes, but my car happened to have a cassette player because it was so old that I was like, I listened to those 150 tapes. I wore those things out. And that was my journey, I think. It created the biggest appetite was, yeah, was that that moment right there. That set me. I was 29. Now, I was doing leadership before, had a very large youth ministry, uh, and I was learning some small stuff. But it was 29 years old when I realized how much I didn't know. And I was like, man, I got a lot to do. And I think my my the the success of my youth ministry caused me to think I knew more than I really knew. It was a very large youth ministry. It was larger than the church that I was working at, uh, much larger. And so that created a that created a big problem. Uh, you know, because I think it was like, man, ah, you know, I think success has a way of doing that. I think it has a way at times of blinding you to your own weaknesses. Um, I think success always does that to some degree. If you're not careful, success will blind you. Momentum will blind you. Uh, like, Hey man, I grew a big, big youth ministry. I can grow a big church. And then you realize, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so it was age 29 right before we launched the church. Yep.
0: So you had this aha moment. What did you do about this?
1: Well, I, I just went on a, I went on a bandwagon of learning, um, One, just getting tons of resources, you know, audios, whatever, started reading books like crazy. Um, I did a couple things. I read, I started hearing about Dan Ryland and uh, his amazing leadership. And so I drove two hours to watch him teach at a small conference, stood in line to talk to him. And I said, basically, I'll pay $100 if you'll just give me 15 minutes of your time and i did that with him john maxwell uh i even did that with uh i drove there was one leader i really wanted to spend time with most people wouldn't have heard of him but it doesn't matter i liked him i drove four hours i arrived he told me he'd give me 15 minutes after he got done speaking at nine o'clock at night so i left it i drove four hours i met with him at nine o'clock he gave me until 9 45 almost an hour and then I said, I got to go. He said, "You staying the night here in the hotel? It was that a hotel? And I said, no, I'm driving back now. He goes, what are you living nearby? I said, no, I live four hours away. He goes, you're not going to get home till like one or two in the morning. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you drove out here for 15 minutes with me. And I say that on this podcast and be like, yes, that's what I did. I drove four hours because I was promised 15 minutes and I'm driving four hours back. I drove, you know, I drove two hours, stood in line to get 15 minutes with Dan Ryland, but all of that turned into relationships um, because they admired the hunger. Great leaders admire the hunger. Um, and that's what set me on the journey. Yeah, I read the book. Here's another thing that's interesting. Is a while back, I think you and I talked about this a few years ago, but um, a, while, a few years ago, I, was, I spoke, I think, at like, I don't know, some big event, and I was signing a bunch of books, and some young guy Ask, you know, he buys a book, say hey, we sign it. So I said, sure, and I sign it. And, and he says, oh, man, I want to. I'll, I'll never go. He says, I want to do what you do. And I said, the question isn't what, that you want to do what I do. The question is, are you willing to do what I've done? Mm. Uh, that's the question. Of course, you want to stand on the stage in front of a thousand people and sign books. Sounds like a great thing. Of course, you want to travel all <laughs> over the place. Sounds like a cool thing. But <laughs> you weren't there, buddy. <laughs> When I drove four hours on what little money I had, my gas tank, I got a Dr. Pepper at 7-Eleven and sunflower seeds so I could keep my eyes open, driving late at night to spend 15 minutes with a guy so that I could learn leadership or, or wow. pay $100. Or when, when I was 29 years old, I got my first coach. I was 29 many years ago, many years ago, and paid him $700 a month because I was a pastor of a church. I just I launched a church. It started. We didn't have any money. We were growing like crazy, but you know, we went to 500 overnight, but we had no money. I had a little side business and I took all that side business money and I reinvested in the thing that I thought was most important. And that was myself. Not that I'm most important, but I needed to invest in myself. And I paid a guy, this is 20 years ago. I paid it 22 years ago. I paid a guy $700 a month to give me an hour of his time to coach me. That's that many years ago. That's like, I don't know, call that $1,500 now, call that $1,800, call it $1,800. Everybody's listening now. If if your company or organization won't pay the $1,500 a month, will you pay? Will you do it? Is it that important to you? Um, You know that old saying, man, if you were a stock, would you invest in yourself? I did. And I continue to. So that's a long answer to a short question, but I feel very very strongly about (laughs) hunger because that's the dividing factor, Mike, is is hunger it's um here's the thing (laughs) the same books almost the same people the same audios the same podcasts the same conferences the same growth plans the same growth tracks are available to me as much as they're available to anybody else now you choose to take absorb them great if you choose not to but it's not you know who told me that first time i ever met with maxwell he goes, same books I read are available to you. The question is, are you going to read them? I was like, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, was, I was 29 years, 28 or 29. First time I had a conversation with him and that set me on the course, man. And, and I have been gobbling it up and learning and growing and learning and growing and I'm never going to stop. So, yeah. Well,
0: you, you're, I've seen you in action, like at multiple different levels uh, from intimate all the way to macro, big, you serve your audiences really well. You're probably one of the most entertaining communicators that I've ever, ever seen. Just, you're ridiculous. Um, But this insatiable desire for teachability, you know, uh, Craig Rochelle on one of his leadership podcasts, he talks about how um, the sum average of who you are as a person can be quickly identified by the five loudest voices that you have in your life. Now, I made a mistake early on in my life to where I just kind of felt like I had to just take those five voices as they came. You know, just like, I don't get to choose them. But here you are, you know, you, you have this aha moment, this, this, this hunger to, to, and so you're like, you're chasing down these relationships. I love that. And I think that that, and when we talk about self-investment too, like I had, I had a similar moment like you, I, I mean, I was, this was probably maybe five years ago. And, um, at the time I, I was work I was finishing out my master's program. I was working for you, um, a little bit. And then I was trying to get out of working at this, this car dealership, you know, do you remember all the conversations that we had from my finance yeah. office?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, but I had this moment where like I it was on my break and I went over to Starbucks, sat down with my computer, and um, and this guy from I played at his venue back in like the early two thousands when I was an artist. Now he's like this big time executive coach, traveling and speaking and working with Disney and BMW and all these you know fancy bougie things, <laughs> and I'm like. I'm like, I don't know how to get to the next, I'm like, I feel like there's something more in my gut. I have no idea mm-hmm. how to get there. You have to take responsibility. Like as soon as you get that moment of saying you're created for more, your impact can be different. Your influence can be so much more than you ever thought it could be, but you have to take responsible for responsibility for you first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So that investment question that you asked, that is so important. Um, I'm not going to wait for a company to, you know, it's like, I've been paying for an executive coach. I've, I've two of them now in my life. And I can't, I can't tell you like how valuable that is.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. You have to be willing to, I think, you know, like the stock thing, you know, if you're a stock, are you, are you worth investing in then invest in yourself? And I just remember I was, like I told you, I was young and dude, you're young. You got a three-year-old or five-year-old or four-year-old or whatever they were at the time. You're 29, you just started a church and you're paying $700 a month. Right. I, I had a little side business. I had to hustle at night and hustle on the weekends. And I was only bringing in, side business only bringing in at $1,000 a month. And I put 700 of that to invest in me. And I haven't stopped. Um, and I love what you said, Mike, about chasing relationships. I think you do have to chase. Mm-hmm. The, the right voices. you talked about, I, I, I let five people in or let this, you know, certain people into my life. I think, I remember one time you and I talking about it. I've always said that there are people that, you know, just because people have position in your life doesn't mean they have passage to it. And something that I've always believed position in your life. That's kind of a lot of the times that's just life. Like that's you don't choose in. your mom and dad, your next door neighbors. Most of the time, it's like whatever. Sometimes your new boss, your new employee, coworker, whatever. Like that's just whatever. Those are the people that have position in your life, and a lot of times you really don't get to choose that. Um, but passage to your life, a voice into your life, yeah, that's you right. choose that. Uh, that's all up to you. And so I got a million friends. I've got four or five that have passage to my life uh and they're the ones that want to lift me up which i've always that's one thing i've noticed i was talking to another guy about that a few weeks ago actually i was at a conference and then i talked about it at the book table i told this guy i go it's so interesting to me mike that the people that are above me whatever that means i think we all understand it sounds weird but people that are above you are always pulling you up people that are below you are always pulling you down I find that so fascinating. (laughs) Everybody that's above me is just wants to make me better. Everybody that's below me wants to pull me down to a level that's comfortable for themselves. And uh, it's just always so fascinating. So choose people that pull you up and want to make you better. And uh, one thing I always say, get around successful people. I promise the conversation will be different. It'll always be. 100%. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm
0: going to throw you a curveball on that, what you just talked about, pulling up and, and pulling down. What, what would you say to the leader that is on a, that maybe on a team in which their senior leader maybe might even be intimidated by their presence and their senior leader actually is trying to pull them down?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I think you, I, I, I do think you're going to have to separate, um, what's happening at work to what's happening in your head. Uh, you have to separate that. And, uh, because if you try to it's like, what's happening at work. Hey, okay, well, this guy's insecure. That's what's happening. Uh, This guy's trying to keep his job. This boss is intimidated, et cetera, et cetera. That's what's happening at work. So how can I serve him to make him not feel intimidated? How can I serve him to make him know that I'm supporting him? Because I think you should always support the people that are placed uh, above you at, at that season of your life. So how can I serve him? How can I help him? How can I make him better and trust that I will be promoted as a result? That's the workspace. The headspace that is more, but, I, but on the side, away from that moment with my boss, I'm still growing, I'm still developing, I'm still believing that I was created for more. I think you're going to have to separate because if you take your headspace and move it into your workspace, um, I think that you might end up damaging yourself. Separate the two and then call, the, I think one of the greatest jobs of leaders is to find reality. Um, he's probably, he or she is probably very, very insecure very, very uh, worried about their job, very worried about being outshined, do what you can to help remove that worry. But don't let it interfere with your headspace. Don't let it interfere with your growth. Don't let it interfere with your friends outside of work who are lifting you up. Separate the two. Separate them. Or if you keep them together, you're going to get hurt.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. All right. So, um, I got, I got probably. I, I kid you not. I probably have three hundred documents on my computer of your of your leadership talks, notes that <laughs> I've taken along the way. One of my favorites is boxes and batons. Do you remember that one?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I teach it all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. It's that's like. But what would you say is something that you feel like is is one of your best leadership principles that you you're currently teaching or is in play right now?
1: Uh, mission critical. <clears throat> the one that I really enjoy. Um teaching to leaders is becoming mission critical. Uh, not only your organization, but you uh being mission critical. Um, and the uh, go, of course, 80-90 percent of the people I talk to are church leaders, pastors, and big churches, small churches, medium, whatever. Um, but um give you the 30-minute version inside of three minutes. Here's what it is: there's an outside circle. I draw out it's like a target, you know, a target goes like like this and then this and then this and then this. There's four layers. The outside layer it would be the word uh, external pressure. We all have external pressure, uh, external pressure from our bosses, external pressure to appease our, our stakeholders, our shareholders. Uh, if you're a pastor, you have external pressure. Why aren't you more verse by verse? And why aren't you more like this? And we need a Bible study for that external pressure is the pressure that everybody puts on you to perform what they want you to do they're not worried about mission critical they're worried about you doing what they want you to do to appease them and their agenda Mm -hmm. then you move to the next inner circle and that word is meaningful meaningful is meaningful is the things that you like to do as a leader the things you find enjoyment doing the things that are fun for you to do, but aren't necessarily great for the organization. Uh, For instance, got a buddy of mine played guitar for, I don't know, all sorts of different, Shania Twain used to be the guitar player for her. And then he left off the road, became a pastor. And now he's a lead pastor, got a good sized church, loves playing guitar. Thursday night at rehearsal, loves playing on Sunday morning. And he asked me what's getting in the way. I said, your guitar. He goes, but I like it. And I said, I know you like it, but the organization doesn't need you playing guitar. There's plenty of other guitar players. You got a large church here. The the organization doesn't need you doing it. That's meaningful, but it's not the target mission critical. So it goes uh, external pressures. Then it goes meaningful. Now the next one on the inside is highly important. And then of course, mission critical. Highly important are the things that you should do. I'm sorry, rephrase that. The things that you need to do that have to be done, but maybe you're necessarily not the one that has to do it, but they're really important. Now, mission yeah. critical, mission critical is is dead in the center. It can only be three or four things. It can't be 20. So uh, are you the chief visionary? Are you the chief fundraiser? Are you the chief communicator? What are you in the organization? That's mission critical. So if I'm talking to a pastor that's got 2,000 people in his church and he wants to launch two more sites and whatever it is, here's how, and his name's Mike and he's the pastor of a big church. I would say, here's how you figure out what's mission critical. It's very simple. If Mike doesn't do blank, our future is threatened. What's the blank? Mm. What is it? Well, if Mike doesn't do weddings, no. If Mike doesn't do counseling, no. If Mike doesn't do all the preaching, No, not necessarily. If Mike doesn't raise funds, our future's threatened. Yes. If Mike doesn't create vision and and rally people to a common cause, then we're in trouble. Yes. If Mike's the main leader. So if Mike doesn't do blank, our future's threatened. That's what's mission critical. So what I tell people to do, bringing this little three-minute talk to a close, I say, figure out the top two to four things you do. What are the buckets? Then figure out everything you do everything you do in your in your work in your life and then put in those what fits in those buckets like okay vision casting podcasting whatever fundraising meeting with high donors meeting with you know economic strategies okay that's going to be that lane so you got three major lanes so everything you do you start popping into those three lanes whatever's left over you eliminate Automate or delegate. You do one of those three. You're going to create great. it, you're going to automate it, or you're going to delegate it. And then you focus on the three things. 70% of your time needs to go on the three top things. If Mike doesn't do blank, our future threatened. That's where 70% of your time needs to be spent. Most of our time is spent on appeasing someone or external pressure or what we find meaningful or what. what. No, no, no. What does the organization need for you to do in order to move it forward? There cannot be 20. It can only be three or four things. So, that's that's a big one that I've been talking about for the last several months.
0: It's brilliant. I love that. Um, I love it especially just you know be, remove it, delegate it, automate it. I love it. Yeah. That is so good um, because as a leader, if you don't have bandwidth, you really don't have anything.
1: Right. That. Right. Yep.
0: And I, you know, I work with organizations every single day. Even some, even some churches that I that I coach. The first thing I do when we go in and we start looking at it, we, we call it a, the process and organizational audit because everybody loves the word audit. Like it's such a sexy term. Um, but when we start looking at the things that we've committed to versus like how big our staff is, how big our bandwidth is, what we're capable of doing, I it, it, it overwhelms me at times to see how much we're burning out our organizations because we don't have mission critical.
1: Yep, 100%. And you'll find, Mike, especially, well, in anything. You're going to find that most of their time is going to what is, what is urgent and not important. And that's where most of their time is going to be spent. It's, spent. it's spent on the urgent, not on the important, not on the mission critical. It's funny. One example I always give uh, between highly important and mission critical, and people always laugh. I'm like, Have you ever been to LAX? Go there at 2 in the morning. I don't know if you've been to LAX at 2 in the morning. Bro, there's 25,000 people there at 2 in the morning. Like, what are you all doing here at 2 in the morning? (laughs) It's insane. But anyway, and there's no, like, you can't just walk across the street to McDonald's and go to the bathroom. So think about this. Highly important, mission critical. 25,000 people are there at LAX right now. All the water goes out. No toilets can be flushed. Dude. Talk about pandemonium! Because if you've ever been to LAX, you don't just walk across the street. There is no walking across the street. There's nothing for miles, so that you can just walk to at, at all. So you can't just go across the street and go to the bathroom. So all, all, of a sudden, all the water goes out right now. Right now, let's just say you and I are at LAX, and all the water goes out through pandemonium, because you got twenty-five thousand people that can't flush the toilet, drink water, all that stuff. Now we would all say, "Dude, that's crazy. That would be nuts. That would be psycho." Okay. Let's imagine the same exact time air traffic control goes out. Where's the attention going to go to air traffic control? Why? Mm-hmm. Because air traffic control is mission critical. The other thing was just highly important. It, and that's what I always use that example. It's like, there are things that have to be done. Doesn't mean you have to do them or they need less of your time. You've got to spend your time. 70% of your time is the number I always use. Um, and I always say, and you just fill in the blank. If Mike doesn't do blank, our future's threatened. What's the blank? Whatever that blank is, spend 70% of your time doing that.
0: That's killer. That's so good. All right. So going with the plane analogy, just landing this plane here. You did really good, by the way. I really enjoyed this conversation. So great job. (laughs) You sound shocked. (laughs) No, I'm just, you know, this is new to me. And so so I'm just enjoying, you know, learning.
1: Yeah, Um, Yeah.
0: So you have, uh, you have a new book out. Talk to
1: me about it. I do. Yeah. A book came out August 3rd or 4th. Uh, went number three bestseller, uh, did, it was done really well. It's called saving your church from itself. Although it has the word church in it. Um, I think any leader could get a ton out of it. Uh, the subtitle is six subtle behaviors that tear teams apart. It's all about mm. not the behavior about the subtle behavior that you recognize early on, that if you don't address it early on, is gonna ultimately tear your team apart. Uh, And so it deals with these sort of early on behaviors. And it's birthed out of my own pain, but it's also birthed out of watching tons of leaders across the nation like pastors that are like calling me up and constantly dude I got a guy that's a campus pastor and now he started a church a block away and I got this and this guy started it. and all <laughs> that you know felt led of the Lord and like yeah you felt led of a tithing base is what you felt led of uh, <laughs> let's just get honest uh for these people you know that's what it was and so yeah. they they then they create all this problem they create all these issues uh and i see that so much with pastors that call me and tell me all this stuff and and all those guys started to across the street and he ripped me on on instagram or facebook or whatever and then i always ask this question like i always say when did you start noticing it? and they'll say oh, about two months ago i go no 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 when did you start noticing it and every time about a year or two ago I'm like yeah uh here's the thing is like you gotta recognize the subtle behaviors I don't care if it's a church or not. Now, I wrote because I write towards church leaders, but it don't. I speak for Verizon, Home Depot, everybody could utilize this. It's all about figuring out um, and recognizing those early signs of behavior before they ultimately just grow. Two things I'll, I'll say about it and I'll be done is that this is uh, one, you're in front of the eight ball when they still care about the relationship. You're behind the eight ball when they no longer care about the relationship.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: So stay in front of the eight ball. If they still care about the relationship, you got a chance. As soon as they don't, it's over. They will end up trying to hurt you. And maybe they're going to classify it under, I felt led of the Lord. But at the end of the day, it's going to hurt the kingdom and hurt you. The other thing is you have to have that conversation. A lot of guys have that. They're recognizing like, "Oh, that guy's being quiet and staff." um he's being more problem driven than solution driven uh, he's kind of feel like he's being a little more toxic to some of the players on the team have the conversation politely nicely kindly but have it up front mm. like i always say pay now or pay later but if you pay later you'll always pay more and it'll always cost you more later on so deal with it now that's what the book is all about it's all oh. about dealing with the subtle behaviors uh, and getting a handle on it now. So your team can stay aligned. <clears throat>
0: that's, that's fantastic. So if people wanted to get their hands on the book or get in contact with you, how would they do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, they can go to say, well, <clears throat> for the book, they can get a free download there too, as well. They can get a free succession download that goes with the book and they can order the book at saving your church from itself.com long title, saving your church from Itself dot com and at churchboom.org you can find out about coaching and you can get contact with me so those are two sites to go to
0: fantastic thank you so much for making time to do this today and uh, this has been a privilege and a joy so great job yeah. thanks so much man great, all right great. ladies and gentlemen chris Thompson. thank you so much
1: thank you
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Level Up Leader podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps to get the word out. And make sure to like and subscribe and to follow so you get all of our content. Now Chris shared a really valuable concept that every leader needs to identify the things in our lives and our organizations that are called mission critical. Are you able to identify where your pressure is coming from that is trying to influence you? The the things we call external pressures. I know that I feel this way every single day, the things that get me derailed, the things that get me distracted. But then he describes several levels of priority with the bullseye being noted as mission critical. Mission critical can be defined in this singular statement. If you don't do this, then we are in trouble. Take the bucket list exercise that Chris shared. Take those priorities, drop them into different buckets, and feel free to drop your feedback in our group forum on our Level Up Leader Facebook page. Also, take a moment and drop Chris a note, ask some questions while you are on the page as well. We'd love to see you there. A special thank you to our featured artists, Names Without Numbers, for allowing us to use their music. We decided we wanted to feature music that I've actually produced on this podcast, so I think that's pretty cool. To find out more about everything that we're up to, please check us out at www.teams.coach and don't forget to join our Facebook group at www.teams.coach slash levelupleader.